Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Please, please. Oh, man. Okay, so I have one last really fun announcement. I know we're like an hour and a half in. I promise I don't have a long preach, and it's going to be worth it, okay? So the last big announcement, if you were here last week, you heard this, but if you weren't here, I want to make sure that you do know exciting things that are coming up. Um, as of Christmas, our Christmas service, our 1 10 a.m. Christmas service, we are going to move in to one big service uh, moving forward instead of two. And there's really two big reasons why. The first reason is we want to strengthen our teams in-house. And the second reason is because we're believing God for a building that will house seven to a thousand in one service. Okay, so if y'all know Pastor Jesse, he likes to just have everybody in the same room and just give hugs and love. And we're just trying to make his dreams come true by getting a big enough facility where we can all party together in one place, okay? So <laughs> he's like, I just want everyone in the same room. You know, he does this. So so we, uh, we are looking, just so y'all know, we are looking for a building. We're looking for a space where not only presents can meet, but we can have other worship nights and things, um, events Monday through Sunday, not just Sunday morning. Uh, we're believing God that he wants to bring businesses to our church. So things such as a, a gym, a coffee shop, a smoothie shop, a shared workspace, a school, so that we can serve the community, okay? So be praying with us. Uh, pray and fast with us as we look for that. We, we're believing for it soon, but we'll keep you all posted. So from Christmas on, in preparation for our building and to strengthen some of our in-house teams, one service, 10 a.m., okay? Turn to your neighbor say 10 a.m. <laughs> all right, so I want to jump in um, quickly here and, and get this word out because I'm, I'm excited to share with you all. About six or eight months ago, I went to the Lord a little frustrated. Confessions of a pastor. I went to the Lord frustrated and I said, God, why don't people get commitment? God, why aren't people committed? Why don't they understand commitment? And he said to me, it's not that they don't get commitment. They don't understand covenant. And I know it was the Lord's voice because, well, one, I know his voice. But two, I didn't understand. The Lord ever gave you a word before and you're like, oh, it sounds really good. What's that mean? And that's kind of where I was. I was like, okay, wait a second. Covenant? Hold on. I understand that I I'm married and I have covenant with my husband. And I have covenant with you, God. But what the heck does that mean in regards to commitment? And he began to take me on about an eight-month journey of studying the story of Ruth and Naomi and of asking him a lot of questions and, and really just being searched internally to understand what covenant and community looks like. And so let's dive in. We're going we're gonna to read Ruth 1. I'm going to read it real Southern and quick, and I'm probably going to pronounce a lot of these names wrong, okay? So don't be judging me. All right, Ruth 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land so a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elmelech, 
His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Milan and Kilion. They were Ephraites from Bethlehem, Judah. They went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elamelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married a Moabite woman, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there for about 10 years, both Milan and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she'd been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. She then kissed them goodbye and wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? This is like one of my favorite parts. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. Now, this is where I want you to highlight verse 16. I just read a whole bunch of y'all so you can understand context and a little bit of cultural expectation, okay? But this is, this is what I want to hit. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. It's hard to not read this story and not be moved by great emotion. It's hard to not read this story without sitting and going, what in the world was Ruth thinking? I mean, here she, she's married and her husband dies. She was in covenant relationship with her husband, but he passes away. So technically, she can go and do her own thing. She can go and marry another man, have children, live her life, live out her dreams and desires. But we read that she says, I'll go where you go, and I'll stay where you stay, and your people will be my people. She's given up her future in a humanistic way, right? This is how we think. She's given up her future to follow Naomi, who can do nothing for her. Her, her, her ex-mother-in-law, technically, I guess, who can do nothing for her. And it's hard to not read this story and wonder, am I a Ruth for someone? Do I have a Ruth? Do I have a Naomi? Am I a Ruth for someone? Or just be greatly stirred to want to have Ruths in your life. 
And this morning, I want to talk about something that I don't think, it's not that it's not been preached on, it's not new revelation. I'm not that good, but God is. But I want to talk about something regarding covenantal community. Because I think most of us probably know about covenant with God. And if you're married, you probably read about covenant with your spouse. But I think there's a strong word about covenant inside of community of people who are Ruth's and Naomi's. There's a Hebrew word. It's hesed. Say hesed. Hesed. Hesed is actually found in this scripture of what Ruth is manifesting. Now, hesed is a Greek word that actually means extra measure, kindness, and love. So by Ruth laying down her life to be loyal to Naomi, to have a covenant relationship with her when it doesn't even make sense, she's manifesting and attracting Hesed. She's attracting kindness and an extra measure. And if you go on to read the rest of the story, which I encourage you to do, it says that while Ruth was gleaning in a field, basically what that means is she was there getting extra barley that was left over to take back for her and Naomi. While she was gleaning the fields, it says that she found favor with Boaz, who becomes her husband. She marries him, has a son. It's amazing. Favor followed her. She manifested his said because of her deep loyalty. And that's a key note. She attracted favor. She attracted his said because of her dedication. And I believe that church folks, that the church has become so used to the world's contracts that we have forgotten about the kingdom's covenant. Right? Because those are two different things. A contract, a contract is an agreement that you have with someone else or multiple parties And at any time when that other party decides that they can't uphold what they agree to or no longer want to, you can now leave that contract. It is now null and void. You don't have to do whatever you signed the contract for. But a covenant, a covenant is a pledge. A covenant is a pledge that no matter what happens, you're not going anywhere. A covenant is a pledge to a person or people that no matter what they decide to do, you're still in it. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. And this is what we see in the story of Ruth and Naomi. We see Ruth lay her life down, lay her future down, and it gets redeemed. But in the moment of the decision, she lays her life down for Naomi. She lays her life down for her, for a woman who can do nothing for her. You know, a lot of times we tell people to find a church that meets their needs, to find friends that meet their needs, to find a spouse that helps you become the other half or is your other half. You're already whole, first of all. That's a whole other preach. I'll leave that for another day. But we tell people Get your needs met by these things, and then when your needs aren't being met anymore, leave. Now, maybe that's not a popular message that we hear in regards to marriage, but it definitely is in church ministry. I mean, that's a, that, that's a real reality. Really, all we need is the truth of Jesus Christ, of what he says he's done, who he says that we are, and we need a loyal, dedicated 
covenantal community who says, I'm in. No matter what happens, I'm in. And covenant looks a lot like sacrifice. I mean, the married people in the house, you know what I mean. Right? Like marriage is sacrifice. You got to lay your life down every day, maybe a couple times a day for the other person. When we're in covenant, we lay our life down. And isn't that the gospel? Isn't that what Jesus did? That he, he walked amongst us as a blameless man. He healed all who came to him. He shared the good news. And yet he went to the cross and died a brutal death. Took on all of your sins, all of your issues, all of your pain, all of the transgressions. And, and he resurrected us. He laid his life down so that we could actually live and have eternity with him. His blood was shed as the final stamp, the final seal for us in covenant with him. And where the world would say, you do you, whatever's best for you, you do what's best for you, you do what's best for your family unit, you do what's best for your business, you do what's best for your finances, the word says lay your life down for one another. I actually don't find it in scripture, and I'm open to being wrong, but I don't see it in scripture to, to you do what's best for you. Because in John 15, it says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Say above. Say above yourselves. Galatians 5.14, love your neighbor as yourself. We're called to live a laid down life for our friends and for our community. And I think the more that we understand covenant, covenantal community, the more we can understand grace and the power within a community. Twelve people change the world. There's more than 12 people in this room. We can literally change the world like that. And I think a lot of times we, you've probably heard like, well, well, yes, I'm in covenant with my family. I'm in covenant with my kids and, and I'm responsible for them. So th that's my focus. But, but here's a kind of a hard trigger truth. Y you do have responsibilities. Your kids, you're responsible for them. The word says that we are to grow our kids up in the ways of the Lord so that when they're older, they do not depart. You're responsible for your children and you're responsible in a way, for your spouse, whom you are married to. But if we were only responsible for those things, we'd miss out on a really large piece of covenant that God has designed for us, that he's put inside of us. The moment that we only recognize covenant with our family unit, we miss out. And I don't think it's biblical. And this is something that I haven't heard preached a lot because it, it's a trigger point. And also, I think people have gotten so used to my family, my kids. That's not my kids, so I don't need to do anything. The moment we realize this, there will be no foster kids in the system. The moment we realize that my daughter, Rosella, and my son, Ratchak, and my son, Rorick, that, that they're not the only ones that I am to invest in and be in covenant relationship with is the moment that there will be no orphans. There will be no hungry people. There will be no widows. 
there will not be people that have a need. But we, we spiritualize and make this, it's your family, care for your family, your dinner table. It's not. We're to be in covenant relationship with the community and with people. One of the largest growing religions is worshiping the wrong God, but they actually have this piece of it. This is what happens. When someone, and I'm not going to mention who it is, when someone in their community loses their job or needs to find a job, they have a committee inside of their church who, it's not the pastors, it's not the paid staff, it's people who are dedicated to to their religion. This committee comes alongside this person who needs a job and they help make sure that they know about the job fairs and they help get them interviews and they walk with them for like six or eight months until they get a job. And in the same community, if someone's husband or wife dies, this community has another committee and they come alongside of them and for one year, they make sure that they don't have a need. And it's because they believe and covenant community, the unfortunate part is they're worshiping the wrong God. And a lot of us, we, we say, well, we want revival like in the book of Acts. I mean, I have it plastered on a, on a frame in my dining room. We want revival like the book of Acts, but it's called the book of Acts for a purpose. Acts of the apostles. Amen? It says... You know, we love the spirit fell and and thousands were saved daily. But what we miss is this, that they gathered together daily. They broke bread. They had a meal together daily. They were in one accord. They sat under the teaching of someone. They had authority over their lives. And there were no needs amongst them. And then revival happened. We just say, oh, Lord, we just want your spirit to fall. We just want revival in this place. And God's like, cool, act like revivalist. Act like my people. Act like my sons and my daughters. Don't neglect coming together. But, Nicole, what about people who've betrayed me? I've tried to I've tried to do this, Nicole. I've tried to have covenant relationships. I've tried to step out. I've tried to be bold. I've tried to stick in it. But I just I've been really betrayed. And so I, I can't do that. But what if Jesus said that to us? What if Jesus said, I died for them and I offered it, but they just didn't take it. So I'm out. One of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture, it just, it gets me. We, we, we read it a lot during communion, and sometimes we, we skim right past it. But Jesus is sitting around the table at the Last Supper, and he says to them, he says, one of you will betray me. And then he takes the bread, and he breaks it, and he says, this is my body. And then he takes the drink, and he says, drink this. This is my bloodshed for you blood covenant literally in the middle of a dinner knowing that he is about to be be betrayed i want you to just imagine you're sitting at your table with your closest friends with people whom you've poured into whom you've loved and you know one of them they're about to betray you in fact they're going to lead you to your death what do you do how do you respond because jesus says, here's my body. Here's my blood. Take it. 
receive it. He's in a covenant. He's not in a contract. And praise, praise God, he's not in a contract with us because we'd be a hot mess up a river without a paddle. Right? Like betrayal doesn't change how we love people. Betrayal doesn't change the work that God is trying to do. The word says that that they'll know us by our love. John 13. They will know that we are his disciples by how we love. And I've done this really well, and I've messed it up personally. And I've asked the Lord in situations, God, search my heart, know me, help me, help me walk this out well. Because we are the image of Christ. You're made in his image. And the word says that you have all authority and all power, that you're made in the image of God, and that he has seated you in the heavenlies with him. And I don't preach a message about the power of the enemy because he only has power where you give it to him. But it's, no, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that the enemy would be after the very image of God that says, put up walls, put up boundaries, don't have any intimate relationships with anyone. You don't deserve it or they don't deserve it. Because he's after the very thing that God has already given us, the image of him, the image of love, the image of a laid down life. I was telling the first service, I, I know that boundaries are important. I believe in boundaries. I actually do believe that Jesus had boundaries. But here's what I don't believe in. I don't believe that boundaries should keep you from community. If you have a boundary in your life that is keeping you from loving people, from forgiving people, from moving on, from not staying offended, if you have a boundary in your life that keeps you from going to, y'all are here so this doesn't count, but some people have a boundary about church. The church has hurt them. What they don't know is that the church will heal them if they get back in it. There's a boundary in your life that's keeping you from covenant community, from being loyal and dedicated and keeping your love on in a profound way. Then I'd kick it down. Because the word says they will know you. They will know him through the way that you love. They will know that you are his disciples by how you love, not by what you do, not by how much money you spend on them, not by the words you say, but by how you love, a.k.a. how you respond like Christ Jesus. <laughs> I was telling the first service, I want to bring back the WWJD bracelets. Anybody ever have those in the 90s? Anybody rock them? Just me? Okay, a few of us. I want to bring them back because if we just had this reminder in every situation in life, when your kids are being crazy, when your spouse is not being their best self, when, when, you're, when your family, when your coworkers, when your boss, when you're whatever, if you could just think, what would Jesus do in this situation? How can I look more like him so that the world goes, what is different about you? Some of the people that have had the greatest impact on my life, I've watched walk through times of great betrayal or times when they could have washed their hands and in the world's eyes, would have been like, that's okay. You needed to get away from that person. You needed to put up your walls, put up your boundaries. That was a good idea. I've watched them, and I've watched how they've loved, and I've watched how they've stayed in it. Okay, I'm not, I'm not preaching a message of 
your life is going to be horrible and stay in it and stay in an abusive relationship because I can already hear people's minds going there. That's not what I'm preaching. But what I am preaching is that we need to be devoted to one another, that there is a loyalty that will actually manifest and attract his said on our lives. And the favor of God will follow you based on how you love one another. It's biblical. We are to live a laid down life. The gospel is more than just commitment. It's covenant. Right? Like God made Adam and Eve because it'd be really boring by yourself. There is something in all of us that desires to be a Ruth and wants a Ruth in our lives. And here's the deal. Being, having a covenantal community doesn't look like everybody's your best friend. All right? Because if you be telling me 15 people are your best friends, I'm going to lose respect for you because I know that ain't true. You ain't got time. Okay? We don't have time to be people's, 15 people's best friends. You're not going to be a good one. But what I am saying is you find your people and you love them well. And it's not just your kids and your spouse. I don't see that in the word. It's about finding a community that you're committed to. And this isn't, this isn't a stick for presence. I am a church rat and I love this house. But if this is not your community, find your community. Find your people. Love them well. Be committed. Be dedicated. I want to end with this because I like logistics. I just unloaded a lot on y'all. A covenantal community mindset looks like this. It looks like recognizing who your Naomi's. My husband said, your Naomi's. I was sharing with them, like, we just need to find our Naomi's. He's like, yeah, our Naomi's. Like, okay, bro. He recognized who your homies are. You recognize your Naomi's. Who's God highlighting? Who's he bringing around you? Who he's saying be committed, be dedicated, have covenant relationship with, and then be devoted for more than five minutes, for more than a month. You know, a lot of times I, I hear people say, well, the Lord's just calling me out of there and over there. Okay. But he's done called you out about 15 different churches. Feels a little weird. Feels a little off. It's just me being honest. I believe that there are houses, there are churches for people that will breathe on you and what God's put in you. And, and you are called to serve those places. And again, if that is not here, we love this region. We love what God is doing. We have multiple pastors come here and preach. We love unifying the church. I want you to be committed and dedicated elsewhere. If it's not here, please go somewhere else. We'll give you a list of churches, but be committed somewhere. Be in covenant somewhere. Have no needs. Try to meet every single need that you can in the hours that you have, in the sacrifice that you're willing to give. Y'all know we have a needs board back there. Maybe some of y'all didn't know that. A little fun oil pan. It's a hipster thing to do. You make a little magnet board out of it. We put some needs up there. If you want to meet some needs, right there. If you're trying to figure out how, how do I get into covenant with y'all? How, how do I love people well? Just ask Pastor Jesse. Just serve the person next to you. Acts says that they had no needs amongst them. There were no needs amongst them. So recognize who your Naomi's, your Naomi's are, <laughs> and devote yourself. Stop hopping around, wondering why I don't feel connected. You got to stick. You got to stay to feel connected, right? Amen. Is this is this a is this a good one for y'all? Y'all real quiet, like yeah, okay. Huh. It's the mama bear coming out.
So I want to pray, pray for us right now. Father, God, I thank you that you've created covenant for us. God, to have covenant relationship with you. God, I thank you that you're not going anywhere. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Lord, I thank you that no matter our decisions, you're not going anywhere. You're still saying, yes, I want you. You're still running after us. And Father, right now, I, I do repent on behalf of myself and, and any, anyone else here who wants to pick this up too. Father, I repent for not walking out relationships well. God, I repent for not being committed people. And Lord, right now, I just pray that you would begin to stir the hearts of everyone in here, Lord, that, that we would know how to be a Ruth. God, that many would be saved in one day because we all know how to be a Ruth. And people wonder, who the heck are we following? Yeah, right now, Father, I pray for the Christmas dinners and times around the Christmas tree and the fireplace and hanging out with family, Lord, that we would exude your love for people no matter what has happened in the past. God, that we would exude your love, that we would be known as your disciples because of the way that we love our friends and family. And God, right now, I just pray for specific people that you would put on the hearts of us, God, that we are to be committed to that we are to have a conversation with. God, that we would be people that are loyal and dedicated. Yeah, Lord, and I just, I, I just pray boldly, Father, that the city of Costa Mesa and the county of Orange would call on Presence OC Church to help meet the needs of the people. God, that we would be those people who the city council can call on that we would be able to meet the needs of this region. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Hey, if y'all need prayer, we have a prayer team. We'll have our prayer team come on up. If you need prayer, they're locked and loaded and amazing. And then don't forget, next week is our, our one service. Is that next week? And we have another announcement. Bless you. Be covenant people. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at PresenceOC.org to find out more about Presence Church.